This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Today's title of my message is this, It's Not For Me. Say that with me. It's not for me. You'll see why I'm saying that in just a few minutes. And 2020 has been an incredibly different year for us. And, uh, and I believe that God doesn't make mistakes. He, knows, he knew what was coming all along. It's not like he's surprised by what's happening in America or around the world in 2020. In fact, he's not sitting up in the heavens and uh, biting his nails, worried or fretting about what's going to happen next. He already had a plan, and you are a part of his plan. You're a part of the family of God. You get to be a part of his story, and if you stay connected to the Father's plan, I'm just telling you, good things are around the corner, and I know this because he's planning and using us as part of his plan. The enemy, Satan, he wants to stop us from staying connected to God and his purposes, In 2020, the enemy wants the church to forget and quit the mission. The enemy wants us to forget who we are and and quit the mission that he's called us to. Why am I raising kids? I'm not raising kids so that they're perfect. I'm raising kids so they can change the world. And I, I get to be a part. Why am I a part of the job that I'm in or whatever the location that you live in a city? You're there to be salt and light in a, a day and age like this where the enemy wants us to forget who our real enemy is. I mean, you know, our enemy is not the other side of the poli- political arguments. Our real enemy isn't somebody that, uh, you know, all of the, uh, the commentators are talking about on TV right now. Our real enemy isn't a Packer fan or a Viking fan. Come on, somebody. Our real enemy is the, is the devil himself. In fact, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's what we're fighting. We're, there's a spiritual battle going on, and we need to remember when we're caught up in the the ugly fights that are going on in our world. And remember, as Christians, our fight isn't against those people. Our fight is against the principalities in high places. And then the enemy wants to, right now, Satan wants Christians to function without the tools that God has given us. In fact, if we're going to be on the earth and we're going to be more than overcomers, God's given us tools and his power to work with. So the enemy wants us to forget and not use those tools. In fact, it says this about what people will be like in the end times in 2 Timothy 3. It says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its what? It's denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, Paul says at the end of time, people are going to be so self-consumed, doing all kinds of things for themselves, and Christians will forget to use the power that's available. It's like they're unplugged from the wall. They're not who they could be. And Satan wants us to forget, on top of that, that Jesus is coming again. Now, people, I want you to hear me, church. We should not be the church of the, fry, uh, of the fearful. We should not be the, the, the church of the cowering and, 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 and worried about what's going on. Jesus is coming back. What do we got to be worried about? 
Jesus is coming soon. Come on, somebody. That's something that we can look forward to. And the devil loves to remind, you know, help us forget that fact. In fact, if the enemy succeeds in getting us to forget that Jesus is coming back, he can get us so overwhelmed with the, the moment that we think that this is all there is. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket and we're not going to make it. No, 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 no. There is a God in heaven who laughs, who's in charge of the whole world, and Jesus is coming back. Don't forget that. And finally, in 2020, Satan wants and is happy to if we care only about ourselves. He wants us consumed with ourselves. He'll feed that however we can. But here's my warning in that. A self-focused church won't heal a broken world. A self-focused church won't heal a broken world. We can't be so consumed with ourselves that we don't notice the needs around us. We have to keep our eyes and our ears open, ready to see the kingdom reach others. Now, all of this in 2020 that I'm talking about, the enemy wants to stop. So I don't want the devil to get any glory here today. But what he's trying to do is get you and me off our game. He wants to prevent us from being who God has called us to be. Uh, and uh, sometimes we just forget. We get distracted or whatever. You know, I, my, my wife loves to make and bake cookies and all kinds of different things in our house. And once in a while, she'll send me to the store because she needs me to pick up some flour or some ground cinnamon or something. And so she'll send me out the door. How many of you ever been sent on one of those trips? You got to go get something. So I'm, I'm off to the store. My problem is I'm notorious for once I'm in the store, forgetting why I was there what I was supposed to pick up. And I'll go up and down aisles. I'm like, that looks good. And that looks good. And I, oh yeah, I haven't had that. Oh, that looks good. And I'll get up to the grocery line and I'll go through and I'll walk out the door and I have not gotten what I was supposed to bring. (laughs) Now we got a new system. Jody will text me those items so I don't forget them and all that kind of thing. But here's the thing. The fact that I didn't forget it didn't just impact me. Because, you know, everybody wants to enjoy Jody's cookies. They want to enjoy whatever it is that she's baking for the whole family. When I am off my game and I forget what I was there for, the whole family pays the price. Are you hearing me today? So today, as we move into, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts and, and how the Spirit gives us gifts. I want you to hear me in the context of 2020. My desire is, is that you not take a break and miss out on the most important things that don't just benefit you, they benefit the rest of the family. They benefit the rest of the church. That we need to lean in and, and benefit and take the benefits that God has for us. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about the body of Christ and how the body of Christ is supposed to function. And the parts of the body are to work together. And that body's going to need regular maintenance, and I'll talk about that in a second. And the way that God maintains the body and helps the body grow is through each other's gift to the church. So starting with verse 1, it says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us. They had questions. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a whole bunch of different ideas going on. 
Who's given the gift and where's the gift coming from? Is it really the spirit or is it a different spirit? And there was a lot of confusion in the church that Paul was addressing in this. But very simply, he's saying only one spirit gives the gifts and everybody is underneath the authority of Jesus. And if you stay focused on Jesus and the gospel message and you're open or what the spirit can do, then you're open to what God can give you in the next few verses. Verse four, it says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. In other words, we're not all the same, but we are all woven together in one body and the spirit will use each and every one of us. You are a gift to the rest of the body of Christ. In fact, I want you to turn to somebody that's close to you and say, you're a gift to me. (laughs) You are a gift to me. Now, every person in the body of Christ receives a spiritual gift. Everyone. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So everyone has a gift, but what, what is the purpose of that gift? It's to help each other. In other words, we are given that gift to help each other. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. To someone else, the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all the these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, there's a whole lot wrapped up in this, different gifts, different, different attributes, but I want you to think in terms of this, going back to what I talked about, the body of Christ is meant to function and do what God wants us to do in this hour, okay? We are here, and we need each other, and we are all apart. Well, the way Paul is describing it is if he needs to go to work on the rest of the body because something isn't functioning right or needs encouragement or needs to be straightened out or supported, then God goes in a sense to his toolbox. Now, I've got a tool chest in our garage and we um, will fix things in our garage. My, my two sons uh, that are still at home, they'll change the oil on their cars, get them up on ramps and get up underneath. And me, I just go to the nearest changing station. It could be Jiffy Lou, Vaveline. It could be Victory Auto. It could be wherever it is. I'll go to a different place to get it done because I'm not going to mess it up. Come on, somebody. My boys aren't afraid of doing that. Anyhow, uh, inside of the, the tool chest, there is, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of tools. There's are screwdrivers. There's a hammer. Come on, somebody. Some of you think you're a hammer, right? And to a hammer, everything is a nail. <laughs> uh, that's the one thing that you do. Um, there's all kinds of, there's sockets and you get to ratchet it up and take care of things. Here's the point. When I bring my car in and something's not functioning correctly, I will go to the tool chest for the appropriate tool. I will pull from that tool in order to help fix it. I need to tighten something. If I need to take the lug nuts off the, uh, off the, the wheel so I can change the tire, if I need to address the brakes, 
whatever it may be, I, I will go in and I will pull that out. The way Paul is describing what the gifts are is he's describing them like tools. That he goes to one of these drawers and he pulls it out because he knows the need of the rest of the body and he uses us and he's saying, some of you are, you're, you're a socket wrench. You're a, some of you are a screwdriver. Some of you are a ham. Whatever you, God will use you to benefit the rest of the body. Okay, so he pulls from the, the tool chest of you. He's got discerning gifts, words of wisdom and knowledge and spirits, um, the discerning of spirits, the, the declaring gifts or the speaking gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretation or faith and gift of miracles and healing. But all of those, plus there's a whole other list in Romans of different types of gifts of administration and gifts of helps, gifts to serve, gifts to take care of people. All of those gifts aren't for the individual person or the tool, if you will. But all of those gifts are meant to help the rest of the body. Some of you are very gifted in administration. And it's a spiritual gift that God has given you. It's meant to help others, not just yourself. So you're a great accountant. How are you using your gifts to help the rest of the body? That's why we talk about it in Growth Track. As we look at uh, gift assessment and we try to identify what God's spiritual gifts are on our life. And then we try to look at the rest of the church and where you can serve. And we want to help you be used of God to help the rest of the body. In fact, this is what God says is kind of a normal activity in the church, so much so that we should desire it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, it says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. In other words, you should want it. You should want it. You shouldn't just sit back and go, oh, that's a cool thing. No, you should say, I want it because I see the needs going on around me. Lord, I want the gift of healing. I want to have an insight that will help other people. I want to, whatever those gifts are, you should eagerly desire those helpful gifts. And each person is expected to be used of God to help others. This is how it plays out in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Paul later says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together on Sunday morning, come on. One will sing, another will teach, another will tell someone some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. In other words, everything that's going on should be used to strengthen everyone. This is how it plays out in the body of Christ. I love it because it's not just about what's happening on the platform. It's what's happening in the lives of the people in our church. The church, we need each other. Sometimes that gets lost in big services because we come to church and we, we come in as late as we can, maybe drop the kids off, grab a coffee, go in and sit down, or actually we walk in during singing and we're like, I hope that the people on the platform with the gifts of singing can lead me in a way that, that helps me today. And then we sit down and we listen to a guy talk to us for a while about the Bible, and then we get up and we leave. And all of the gifts in that scenario then are other people. We're only thinking about other people having gifts. But I want you to see, Paul isn't showing that. Paul is showing the church should be the type 
where people come to church going, Lord, what gift do you want me using today? How can I be used to bless others, to take care of others, to notice the needs in other people? It's about everybody having the gifts. Come on, somebody. This, uh, this would be true in the Pentecostal church world where uh, way back in the early 1900s, there was a Azusa Street revival and the spiritual gifts were showing up in a way that they hadn't in previous centuries and people were uh, receiving gifts of healing and, and prophecy and different things are all coming together in this little gathering in Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And, and this gathering was just a small group of people that began to worship God and meet together and have essentially longer church services than what we're experiencing right now. And they were just believing for God to move in their city and in their land. It was led by an African-American named William Seymour. And I loved the diversity of it because it wasn't a white person leading it. But there were white people there, and there were, there were uh, Hispanics there, there were Asians. Uh, I mean, it was, there was Native Americans that became a part of the story. And listen, that, that's God's picture of what the church could like. When Pentecost breaks out and Spirit of God moves in a church, then it's every nation. Come on, somebody. And they're all under the beautiful miracle of what happens in the church. You see... The problem nowadays is, is that people are all fighting with each other over differences and racial differences and language differences and socioeconomic differences. But when the Spirit of God hits the church, all of that goes away and we love each other and we're connected to one another and that's the body coming together. Can I get an amen to that? That's where God works in a unique and a different way. Well, as things moved along, see in those days, everybody was expecting the gifts to move, not just in the pastor up at the front of the room. And the churches began to be established around America and around the world. And as these Pentecostal churches, they call them because they believed in the power of Pentecost was for today, would gather together. They would come to church. And if you were sick, you didn't know who had the gift of healing today. It might be Sister Susie sitting next to you. You were expecting God to move through his body because there was a need and God would go to his toolkit and he'd pull out the appropriate toolkit to, to address the need. Then later on, there began to be these big movements called the healing revival, tent revivals. And, uh, and there were these all over the world actually, thousands and thousands of people would gather together for these great healing movement things and these healing evangelists that were both women and men, by the way, back in those days that would preach the power of God's healing. Now all of a sudden when you would go to church, you didn't look for the gift of healing for the sister next to you. You went to the front of the room where you would receive it from the person of God that was preaching and had the microphone. And something happened during that season that still affects church Christians today. And that is, the people expected all to come from the man of God or the woman of God that's up speaking. And it's almost as if there's no responsibility on the people who are called the church. And I want you to hear me clearly, church. My dream is that everybody receives the gifts. That you're operating in the gifts and you're giving it to the rest of the body. That God uses you. That you're not just watching a show on the platform, but God uses you. Come on, somebody. And if he's going to use us, then it has to be birthed out of a heart of God's agape love. If all we've got is all this power, we can use dynamic things and spiritual gifts, sometimes we're nothing more than a Marvel hero where everybody points to us and not to Jesus. 
or we misuse it and we hurt people with it. That's not God's dream. Now, if it's birthed in love, then it actually benefits others. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could, not move, that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So in other words, we don't just need God's power, we need his love. And we don't just need his love and sit there feeling like we're useless because we see the need in front of us and we can't do anything about it. We need his power too. We need his love and his power. And we need to honor and serve the rest of the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul also says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. Turn to the person closest to you and say, I need you. I need you. We need each other. What if every person in the church honored the rest of the body? What if we genuinely wanted the other people in the body to succeed, even if they are different than we are? What if we said, God, I want to see it move? What if we sincerely pursued God's gifts to help others? You know, I want to be a compassionate person, but compassion is the ability to fill a need in someone else. We see the need and we pray, God, I see the need. Help me fill the need. Fill me with the gifts so that their need is met. What if we gathered in our small groups or came to church seeking to be used by God in his gifts so that others can be propelled in their destiny? This whole series and this word that I made up called withness. If God is with us, it's not just an individual thing. We can't just see the Holy Spirit as just me and the Spirit. No, it has to be expanded into us, the rest of the body, in usness, if you will. The tools of the Spirit are specifically designed to help other members of the body. So if I'm going to be used of the gifts and I'm going to make a difference in people's lives, I'm going to inspire people, then I got to look inwardly and I might need an oil change. You know, I've had a lot of cars over the years. I grew up, we had lots of cars in our family. Some of them just plain didn't run. But they tell you that you're to change your oil every so many thousand miles. Why is that? Because the oil will gunk up and uh, won't form, it won't function the way it's supposed to. And then the gas mileage will go down and it'll start coughing. In a sense, the car won't run quite right. And so you gotta change the oil once in a while. You know the body of Christ needs to change the oil. There's some times that we just can do an update so that the power of God and the, the message of God can flow clearly through us. And when we are evaluating other people and judging others and we're competitive with others and we dishonor God's kids, the oil in our car or the church gets gunked up and we begin to cough from our sickness. We need to remember that we were forgiven and that will enable us to forgive others. Jesus was speaking about a woman who loved him much 
and people didn't like. And he says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. You know, we're in a call-out culture in 2020. Everybody's calling a flag on everybody else. You can't say that. Can you believe they said that? And we're being baited, by the way. Social media and the marketing firms and a political season, we're being baited. And church, I'm just saying this, don't take the bait. Don't become a judger of people. I've always said this, when you're pointing at somebody else, you have three fingers pointing back at you. We need to get rid of that out of our souls and out of our hearts. God is the judge. He's the one that everybody will stand before. In this life, I'm the one that's to love others. And if I find myself judgmental, my oil is getting gunked up. And when my oil is gunked up, the spirit isn't flowing. And when the spirit's not flowing, there's no gifts to give to somebody else. So if you're in a place where you don't have the gifts of the spirit flowing through you right now, you might need an oil change. Aha. Uh-huh. When we spend time in the spirit, that spirit, we ask him to get the gunks out of our heart. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's the heartbeat of the church. When David recognized his need of an oil change because he had sinned, he had done the horrible thing against, with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, he goes, I need a massive oil change. He says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then, everybody say then. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. When we allow the spirit to come in and create in me an oil change, a heart change. When we allow the spirit to come and do that, that creates the platform for the then so then we can step out and help others. Then we can speak life into others. Then perhaps we can correct and bring correction to others, but only then. We have to let the, the oil change happen first. And a unity kind of comes out of that. Instead of worrying about our own needs, we begin to think and notice the needs of people around us. And it's fun because now we never know who God wants us to bless and care for. Now all of a sudden we're living life not looking for what we get out of it, but what we can give. How can we care for the people that are around us? And when we're like that, that's the true unity of the Spirit. And the Spirit loves to visit us when we are in unity. Psalm 133, the psalmist says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Friends, a unity of heart leads to supernatural intervention of God's power and his love. I believe it can happen. Now, here's my dream with this. My dream is 
that as we keep pursuing the Lord and we allow him to look into our hearts and to see into me, as he cleans out things and, and removes the gunk from the oil, if you will, and we get the fresh oil, now all of a sudden we're open to bless and take care of others. And it's not just the guy on the platform preaching all the time. You know who it is? It's everybody. Everybody doing their part. And not everybody is a public gift. Some people are servants behind the scenes. You are making a difference. And you gotta recognize that the spiritual gifts are on you to do that. But even on a Sunday when we gather for church and people come to church, I think it can happen in the lobbies. It can happen in the parking lot. It can happen when you're handing your kids off and somebody's serving in, in there and Team Emmanuel. And there's a moment where God uses you to help somebody else. Or you're out in the parking lot and you're greeting people and smiling at people as they come in. And people have gone through growth track and they understand their, their purpose and they understand their gifts and they're like, I wanna make a difference. Did you know you're making just as much of a difference sitting behind the, the switcher board doing the video stuff and the sound system as the preacher that's on the platform? That you're making just as much a difference when you're out there smiling at somebody who doesn't get a smile all week and is sitting in their car full of anxiety wondering whether or not to get out of the car and up walks one of our Team Emmanuel people in the parking lot and smiles and lets them know that God loves them. The spiritual gifts are in action. God is going to his toolkit, pulling out what he needs to make a difference in somebody else's life. You can make a difference in people's lives when you say, Lord, see into me. Get the gunk out. Now I have compassion for others. Now give me the gifts. I want to make a difference at work. I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to make a difference with my children. I want to make a difference everywhere I go. That's when God goes to work. He moves and has his ways with us when we're open to his way in and through us. Today we're gonna to receive communion in all of our campuses. You can take your cups out. And uh, perhaps today you are, um, you're new to church, new to faith. This is not for members only, but if you're a member of the body of Christ, you've received the gift of salvation, you can participate. If you haven't, Listen, this is the good news today and it's preached everywhere around the world. If you've never given your life to Jesus or you need to come back to him, before we receive communion together as a church, I wanna give you an opportunity. If you need to give your life to Jesus right now, don't wait, don't push it off till tomorrow. Jesus loved you so much that he went to the cross and died for you. Why turn away from that? Lean into the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you need to give your life to Christ today before we have communion, I wanna pray with those. This is your moment to give your life to Jesus or to come back to him. And all around the room, can you just close your eyes? Right where you're at. If you are ready to give your life to Christ, either joining us online or you're in this, this room, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, I just repeat these, this prayer out loud after me. Everybody else, you can join in and say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, and then you rose from the dead, and I know you're alive. Today, I give up, I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and make me new. 
I'm yours for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. I know every single time we pray that prayer, somebody is giving their life to Jesus. And uh, it's amazing to me. I don't know when your point is and your story coming to faith, but these moments are incredible. All of heaven is rejoicing when one, even one sinner comes home. And so if you just pray that prayer, you can participate in communion because you're now a part of the family of God. And as you look at your, your uh, little coffee cup here, and by the way, don't be ashamed to ask for help in trying to get that little film off the top. The same night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked at all of his disciples. And by the way, this was a setting for unity. Unity starts and ends with Jesus, okay? In this setting for unity, Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. If you have broken relationships in your life, you can look to Jesus to bring things back together again. It's his way, but you can look that way. And if you are, have a physically broken body, the Bible says that by his stripes or his wounds, we are healed. And so today, if you need healing in your body, you can find healing in Jesus. And we're gonna believe for that. We're also gonna believe for broken relationships to come back together again. Lord, we thank you for the promise that you had for us. And we're doing this in remembrance of you. So we ask, oh God, that Lord, you bring broken things back together again. And Lord, that you would heal sick bodies in Jesus' name right now. We pray, God, that you'd raise us up to know the power of the resurrection in this place. In Jesus' name, let us eat. Same night, Jesus took the cup and Paul's talking about this, about communion and taking the cup. He tells the church to examine yourself. Just do a deep dive, look inwardly. Make sure, in a sense, that you're living your life like I just preached about. That there's no need for an oil change, if you will. Attitudes and heart, opinions about people, anger, bitterness unforgiveness. Make sure you deal with that. And some of us may be like, I can't, I don't know how to. That's right. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a way to deal with that. But examine yourselves and say, God, open yourself up and say, Lord, take this from me. I want to be made new. And the precious spilled blood of Jesus takes cursed things and makes them whole again. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, we trust you today for, that the power of your blood would be active in this place. And that Lord, as you bring broken things back together again on the outside, you'd also bring broken things back together on the inside. That your life would be our life. And that, Lord, that you would enable us to walk in the unity that only comes through you. Let us drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. 
check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.